0: Pastor Lance has been on this journey of this series of revival for the last few weeks. Who in here has enjoyed this, this series? Man, I'm telling you, it stirred something up inside of me. I know it stirred something up inside of Pastor Lance. I know that it's even stirred something up inside of some of you guys. Because last first Saturday prayer, uh, the numbers were bigger than they've been in a few months. So I just want to say, it's stirring something up. How many of you know what the absolute thing that we have to do for revival to start? Prayer, 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 prayer. I know that sometimes we can get busy and we can say, yeah, I'll pray about that. And they never, never not once pray about it. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to pray. Next Sunday starts our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I believe that this 21 days is going to be remarkable it's going to be rememberable it's going to be a stamp just watch watching to see it's going to be a stamp on your Christian walk so what I want you to do is I want you to commit to coming on the in-person services but I also want you to commit to spending some time in prayer on those 21 days I think that the saying goes it takes 21 days to make or break a habit So if you don't have a habit of prayer life, I want to encourage you to take a step into maybe it's just 15, 20, 30 minutes to begin with. I know people who pray hours, which is amazing. I wish I could. Uh, I pray to pray hours all the time. but it really just takes a step in saying hey I'm gonna be consistent with this I'm gonna start at the pace that I know that I can do that's another thing if you carve out three hours then you only make it 15 minutes then the three hours is probably not the pace you need to start at to begin with <laughs> you know what I'm saying like I'm not a three hour person to begin with like <laughs> it takes me a little bit especially if it's in the morning it it really takes me a little bit because I'm not a good morning person so but I just want to encourage you with that. And I don't want you to just say you're going to do it. I have the saying where I say, um, don't just talk the talk. Make sure you walk the walk. If you're going to talk about it, be about it, right? If you're going to talk about it, be about it. Walk in it. If you believe in it, make time for it. Okay, that was the mini sermon that you guys get. Join me in prayer as I pray over this word. God, I just thank you so much It is such a privilege and an honor to be able to be here this morning, to be able to bring your word. God, I just pray that you open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, and our minds, God, to listen to what you have for us. It's not me. It's all you. I pray that I'm a vessel for you, Holy Spirit. And God, that each one of us learn something. And it's in your mighty name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. So I'm just going to start off with sorry, I have to clear my throat. I'm going to start off with saying that it is very important and very vital that in these next few moments, if you'll open your ears, and if you have a piece of paper and a pen, I always say you're not holy if you don't take notes. I'm just kidding, y'all. I'm just kidding. Um, take some notes. It's going to be, um, some practical things it's going to be some things that you're probably going to be like man I wish I would have taken those notes um, I have prayed so let me just go ahead and say this if you feel convicted after this I prayed for that so that's my fault you're more than welcome to talk to me afterwards I have prayed and let me and hear me out I have prayed for us for us as a generation as people to be convicted about fighting for the next generation and the, here's the reason. They need us. They need us to do it. They don't know it unless we teach it. We can't give up on them, y'all. We can't give up on her. We got to pray for them. We got to constantly, constantly fight for this generation. Let me give you some statistics. Now, this is... Statistics are specifically for Gen Z, which is 7 to 27, those are the ages, uh, but also some of the statistics are for Gen Alpha, which is the generation right after Gen Z. Two out of three are leaving the church or already left the church. They are twice as likely to become atheist. 14% of Gen Z are atheist. read their Bible on a weekly basis, and they spend more than four hours on their phones looking at not good things. That's not saying that, oh, they spend four hours in their Word on You version. That's not what that is. That's four hours on their phones that they don't spend doing something that's supposed to be good. The world would say that this is a problem, right? Some of you can probably agree the church needs to view this as an opportunity, an opportunity for us to be able to lead, to fight for, to invest into this next generation. I think sometimes we forget that. Sometimes in our day-to-day lives and everything that we do and how busy we are, that we need to stop and take a step back and pray for this generation. We've got to do it. We've got to do it. So I'm going to start off with our absolute cornerstone verse here, which is John 10:10. And it says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm going to pause right there for a second. The thief, Satan, is going to come in and try to steal, kill, and destroy your family. He's going to try to rip apart your marriage. He's going to pin you as a husband against your wife or vice versa. He's going to come in and divide and conquer. Whenever you go for a war or anything to do with going in, you're trying your best to divide and conquer, right? Right? That's what he's doing. He's going to come after your children. He's going to come after your marriages. He's going to come after your finances. He's going to come after your grandkids. That's what he does. But the hope, here's the hope, is the last part of the verse. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And for them to experience full life, it's going to take us helping them get there. Can I get an amen? Amen. You in this room may not be parents. Some of you are. Some of you may be grandparents. Some of you may not have kids at all. I'm going to call that category mentors. Okay? Because I I feel as if some people in the church um, don't see a value in it because they don't have it. But I can't tell you the importance of bridging generations. You know what I'd love to see? A small group led by a 65-year-old and 12-year-olds are in it. How amazing would that be? you're just bridging that generation. Oh, the wisdom. Am I right? The wisdom that could take place in those moments. I came from um, a church that kind of, a little bit, this is back home when I was younger. It it was a little hurtful, some of the people were. I don't know if you guys have been to a church where people hurt people. Um, I just want you to know that it's not God, it's people. People hurt people. Hurting people actually hurt people. Just want to throw that in there. And So if you're in the category of church hurt, it's probably because people hurt you. That's what people do, their flesh. I'm not taking up for any of those. I'm just letting you know. I don't want you to blame God because of what took place. In those moments where people hurt people, I don't even think they realize it a lot of the times. I remember moments of conversations taking place. I've played drums since I was 11 years old. And playing the drums, I would go. I had this one lady. She would come to me every Sunday morning and tell me that my drums were too loud. Every Sunday morning, y'all. I don't, we didn't even have mics. We couldn't afford mics, okay? This is like, it was caged in. Like, this was as low as it could be, you know what I'm saying? Like, but those moments marked me. Still to this day, I try my best to play drums. Now, you know I play hard. I just want everybody to know, Um, The media people always tell me that, that I play so loud and so hard. But it's still a moment in my head that that sweet old lady said that to me when I was 11 years old. Now, did it do anything to to hurt my feelings? No. I'm not saying that 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 little lady meant to hurt my feelings. I'm just saying I remember that. I'm 30 years old, and I remember that as an 11-year-old. Can you imagine the things that you say what kids students remember it blows my mind they catch it they instantly catch it so the next verse i'm going to use is psalm 78 4 through 7 and it says we will not hide from their descendants we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the lord his power and his wonders he has done he decreed statues for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. We have to tell the next generation. We have to. We have to fight for the next generation. My message is called um, Next Generation Focused. I know that's, a, that's an amazing title. Uh, we say it here all the time. But what I want you to do is, I don't want that to ever be something that just kind of, oh, next generation focused, yeah, like on to the next. No, I want you to listen and understand, we need to focus on the next generation. We have to focus. What you focus on, you invest into. What you focus on, you don't see anything else around you. You're focused on the next generation on teaching them the word of god so church of the highlands did a survey for gen z for their students for their 6th through 12th graders and that survey was one simple question it said what i wish my i wish my parent knew blank and they can fill in the blank and it was astounding some of the answers they got i don't have all the answers There was like thousands and thousands or a youth group of hundreds, maybe even thousands of kids. But some of the things that was said was, I wish my parents knew how much them fighting really hurt me. I wish my parent knew. This was was interesting to me. This is more of a physical one. I wish my dad knew how important it was. This is probably a 14, 15, 16-year-old girl that he held my hand even whenever I didn't want to because it seemed like it embarrassed me. Does that not blow your mind? What I wish my parents knew is that when they get on to me and I get frustrated and I'm upset, I actually really need that discipline. These are their answers. It blew my mind when I read these answers. So with this, as an opportunity for the church what is the solution say what is the solution okay two of y'all come on this is second service what is the solution okay I'll tell you hang on a second I'll tell you I'll tell you so what can we do number one pray I know Pastor Lance has said it it's absolutely what we need to do We have to pray. Let me give you some specifics on what to pray for. If you're taking notes and you need my notes afterwards, I'd be happy to give them to you because I don't take notes the professional right way. So what's going to happen is number one is prayer and then one A is how we're going to go. So I'm going to say A and go all the way down, all right? So A, we need to pray for them to fear and reverence God. Do you guys know there's a whole side of TikTok that um, is church trauma, church hurt, Um, it's like a bash against God completely. And I'm not bashing TikTok. I know some churches who use it as a social media platform and they reach people and praise be to God. That's just the the form of social media that most kids use nowadays or they're watching continually nowadays. On there, there's a whole side about church trauma, about bashing God and how terrible he is and how this is, you know, a, a cult and all this kind of stuff. There's a whole side of it. We must pray for this next generation to fear and reverence God. In Psalms 34, it says, Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. We have to show them who Jesus is. We have to show them his love. The most amazing thing to me, the most amazing stories that I see in the Bible is when Jesus was sitting at tables with sinners. Don't hear me wrong. He sat there, sat there, he ate with them, he communed with them, but he didn't leave them in what they were living in, the sin they were living in. Hear me out. So on today's terms, he sat there, built a relationship, you're eating together, you're sitting at the table, you're building that relationship, right? To the point to where he could ease over and be like, I need to tell you the truth in love. It's not a blurred line. It's not a line where they say, oh, well, Jesus would, was with the sinners, so he must have, like, that's not what it is. It was an absolute black and white. Of, he came, he sat with them, he ate with them, but he told them the truth. Amen? We have to show people and show the next generation who Jesus is. B, so one B, <laughs> pray for them to be surrounded with divine favor. In Psalms 512, it says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. you got to pray for your kids. you got to pray for the favor to be on them. Something that we like to, to laugh about, Lance and I, a couple of other of us on the staff, is anytime something's happened, it's like, we're living in the fog, the favor of God, okay? A parking place comes open in the front, and I'm like, Lord, it's the fog, okay? Like, we are living in the favor. Uh, can I get an amen? Like, that's the kind of stuff that I pray for. It's like, Lord, give me favor wherever I go, whatever I do, wherever I'm at. I mean, if it's a front row parking lot, praise God. Like, I mean, it is what it is, right? So pray in. For the favor, for, for divine favor to surround them. And see, pray for God to bring them godly friends and influences. Godly friends and influences. I say this all the time to my students. They could probably be like, yeah, she says it all the time. What goes in comes out. Whether that's in people, influences, the people that surround them, what they do, what they say. Whether that's in music. What goes in comes out. Whether that's in TV, what goes in comes out. Whether that's, like I said, whether it's vocally, in your actions, whatever it is, it's going to come out. You have to make sure. You have to guard your heart. You have to pray. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I don't know about you, but I pray... For ironing, sharpened, ironed kids to have relationships that way. I have a friend that literally texts me and she's like, I just need you to know that you're my iron. You know her, Charlene. You're my iron. Just want you to know that. Those are the kind of people that we need to surround ourselves with. We don't need to sit at a table and gossip about somebody. That's not what we need to do. That's not sharpening anything. That's you sitting there festering in your feelings because you're hurt. Okay? You've got, you've, you've got to surround yourself with people that are going to pick you up and dust you off when you're hurt. They're going to sharpen you. They're going to tell you what the word says. They're going to march alongside of you. Your kids are, are hurting, and, and maybe you have a prodigal child. You have that person that's next to you praying with you because they believe it with you. We have to sur- pray to surround our kids, our students, the next generation, for godly friends and influences. So number two. We have to prioritize. So number one was pray. Number two is prioritize. The first thing we have to prioritize is church. It says in Luke 4, 16, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as he was his custom. What does that mean? He always went. He knew it. He knew it was the place of the Lord. You have to make church a priority. In Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may pour one another, spur one another, on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. I'm going to say that again not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching church has to be a priority. It has to be. You guys need this. You guys need to be together. Let me tell you, whenever uh, we went through act- like COVID, when we had to shut down and do worship in the house, I've never been so emotional than the Sunday I had to play drums the Easter Sunday with an empty room. Never. Like I, I knew that there was, I knew that we were creatively working behind the scenes trying to make sure that you can have an online um, experience. Like I knew what was taking place. Like, like I've been on those staff calls. I've been in those meetings. I need that. But sometimes you just need a hug in the foyer. Sometimes you just need to have a face-to-face conversation with someone. Sometimes you just need to be together. Our groups are la- launching in August. I want to highly encourage you to get involved into a group This past week, we went to a leadership conference, uh, some of our staff did, and one of the most important things that kind of stuck out in my head, I took a bunch of notes, a bunch of notes, okay? But the one thing that kind of stuck out was church is better done in circles rather than rows. So having the community of being in that circle, doing life with those people, hey, I'm hurting, can you pray for me? Having those conversations of what's taking place in my life, building those relationships it's better done in circles. I highly encourage you to sign up for that. That was my plug. Ha. Consistency for kids is important when it comes to a priority in church. So if you notice, when your kid goes back to school, by the way, I'm praying for y'all's parent, y'all parents for this week and next week because it takes a minute to get back into the, into the rotation. I got it. The scheduling. I understand. I'm praying for you. I just want you to know. But once they get in that, that's how they thrive. They know they're waking up at this time. They're going to school. Even in school, they have certain times in their schedule that they switch classes. After that, they go to recess. They go to lunch. They have a specific consistency of a schedule. It's important for your kid to have consistency with church, consistent. Our, our curriculum and the way that we do curriculum, the curriculum that we invest in with junior kids and kids' church, we are super, super intentional when it comes from week to week to week they all connect so if they miss the second Sunday they don't they don't know what happened with Moses and they don't know like these are the things that are very 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 important so I just want to encourage you to make it a priority make church a priority the second thing for priority is we have to make purity a priority some of you are like oh no she's about to talk about sexual purity I am but not yet hang on I'm talking about spiritual purity first. Their heart. They have to guard their heart. You need to help them guard their heart, parents. Psalms 24, 3 through 6, it says, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord, and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. I think sometimes we miss that opportunity. We, as in me, too. When I was, when I was studying for this, I really became convicted as a next-generation leader. And let me tell you why. Can I be honest with you? Can I say Can I hear Yeah. Can I be honest with you? Because... I feel like the church has gotten lazy over COVID, and so church is in the big scene—not just our church. We've pulled back because we've had to, right? In those in those couple years, we've had to. We had to try to make some crazy kids' church stuff online, okay? And then we had to make sure, like with student ministry, we drove—I mean, for literally four, maybe five hours. I don't want to lie. Something, yeah, five hours. On a Saturday during COVID, and we went to every student's house during COVID, handed them something out the window, prayed over them, and threw Easter eggs in their yard. Okay? It was Easter weekend. That's why. (laughs) We didn't like egg them. We should have, though. That's a good idea. We had to. We had to pull back on a lot of stuff, right? But now we have a generation who don't know that we need to teach them how to fall back in love with Jesus. We need to take those steps. So as I'm studying for this, I'm getting convicted. And I'm like, all right, Lord, we're going to do this, 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 and this. And I promise you this is going to be the plan, and this is what we're going to do. And And as I'm preparing for this, we got to go to a leadership conference, which was really awesome. And I got to kind of soak in different things that even Church of the Highlands, they have done some tweaking and some moving around and how can we reach this generation better. And it it blows my mind. It really does one of the sessions in kids church she said we have a transition every 5 minutes i said what we have a transition every 5 minutes i said why she said we have a 90 second tiktok scrolling culture of kids we can't hold we can't hold their attention for more than 15 minutes in a bible study so we have a 5 minute where we hit groups and we do a 5 minute transition we go back we have and i mean they really have seen the studies that they have done over the last few months how it's really been intentional and really been planted in their hearts. They're, they're knowing the word. They're knowing the, the scripture. They're knowing the different things. And so that's all I'm saying is as a next generation leader, I felt convicted. So I'm like, I don't want to be lazy anymore. This next generation can't have lazy. We have to fight for them. We have to show them. We have to tell them all that God is. We have to have those one-on-ones. We have to have those small groups of when they get to ask the craziest questions, okay, and they get to ask for prayer. I love it. I love it when a kid goes, yeah, can I pray for my sister's uncle's brother's dad's dog? And I'm like, absolutely we can. You want to know why? Because you're asking for prayer. They already have it in their head. Oh, there's something wrong with this dog. I'm going to ask for prayer. How amazing is that? We did have a kid at Mega Sports Camp. They said, can you pray for my cat that died? And I'm like, well, they already died, but I'm going to pray for you uh, as you deal with it. But it's just amazing to me to see how these kids, they're already asking for prayer. Whenever our first response is literally worry and anxiety, and we're fearful of what's coming. But these kids are asking for prayer for their dog. Wow, I went on a tangent for spiritual purity. I am going to hit sexual purity because, it's not too long, but I am going to hit it, because it's so important for kids to know who they are, whose they are, and their worth, even on a physical being, right? They have to know how important it is to wait. They have to know how important it is to steward that, and even... Even if we're talking about the pornography side of things, I looked up some statistics, and it literally said with a kid's brain, it actually damages, brain damages them from a certain age to a certain age if they look at pornography. Let me tell you this. So 9 out of 10 boys and 6 out of 10 girls are exposed to pornography online before the age of 18. 12 years old is the average first exposure. Can I just tell y'all that I know that some of you have safety on your Wi-Fi, which is amazing. I'm so thankful that you're trying to take that parental step. But did you know that it's not necessarily a website? You go on TikTok and keep clicking and keep clicking and keep clicking. You go on these social medias, you keep clicking on the the hashtags, and they, they keep going to different places, and there you go. Pornography is coming up, and all it shows on your end is there's TikTok. It's a fair warning for you. And if you're in the room and you've struggled with that, you know how hard that could be. Please, don't take this as condemnation. You need freedom as well. It's important that we teach spiritual and sexual purity. We have to make that a priority for this generation. Or they're going to be lost and they're gonna just gonna be in that, in that, in that. It literally gives them brain damage over and over and over again as they're watching this. Parents, talking to the parents in the room at this moment, they need accountability. According to the survey, some of them want accountability. Grab that phone, look through it. <laughs> I know, some of you wanna be the cool parent. And the friend, it's okay. You can do it. Grab the phone. Search through what they're going through. Hold them accountable. It's the only way to help them. It's not hurting them. It's helping them. It's the only way to help them is to hold them accountable. So the third thing is prepare. In my book, preparation is key, 100%. No matter what you're doing, preparation is key. we must prepare this generation. Amber, what do you mean by preparation? I mean, we have to teach them how important it is to be grounded on the word, how important it is to be passionate about worship, how important it is to be prayer driven. We have to teach these habits and disciplines as they're growing up, right? How about um, Proverbs where it says train up a child? That's our responsibility. Start children off on the way. They should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. We have to train them up. We have to instill these habits and disciplines inside them as they're younger. I don't know if you notice, if you serve in our family ministries, you probably do. From our junior kids to our kids to our students, and even our young adults soon, we are super strategic with the way that we set up things. Uh, I've done some restructure. I've um. Even more so now, I'm gonna do even more to tweak and see how we can instill these habits and disciplines at such a young age. If you walk in, junior kids, we're intentional. We have worship on their level. They have uh, praise and worship with motions and different things in there on their level. They do Bible. They're based on, our curriculum is based on Scripture, based on the Bible. We want to train them up to be able to say Scripture, to be able to reiterate that. But also, fun is mixed in there. If you go into Kids Church, um, there's been some restructuring in there as well. With different things that's taking place in that room, we have worship for them. Our students, actually, our 6th through 12th graders come in, they practice, and they lead worship for our kids' church. It's amazing, okay? It is amazing. If you ever want to see that, come talk to me. We need a safety badge on you so that you can walk in and take a look. But it's amazing to see them experience the presence of God. So, worship's taking place in there. They do a big group and then they break into small groups, which is age and gender based. Along with that small group, it's more time in the small group than it is in the big group. Why? Because we believe that small groups is what builds that relationship, builds that community, but also they're going to be more willing to talk if I have six or seven friends around me than in front of 40 kids. So we try our best to be strategic in there. If you walk in there, we have different stations for check-in time whenever it comes to the games and the fun aspect. They have games that go into their curriculum, but also they get to go to each different station and to be able to play those games. And the reason why it's structured this way is for them to build relationships. So As they're playing a game, they get to build relationships together. They're building teamwork. They're building all these different things that they're building together. As they're learning So, like, some of the coloring stations is the big idea and the memory verse, so they have that wrapped in there, too. It's all strategic work that we do in those family ministries. And then student ministry, we have a worship service for them the first Sunday of the month. Just like this, the students actually get to lead them into worship. I get to bring the word, or one of my team members get to bring the word, and then they do hang out and we get to have groups the rest of the month so what do we do we kind of take what we taught on and we kind of hash out those verses and and talk about the different scriptures so they can memorize them and know this is why we do what we do this is what we stand on this is teaching them how to pray I love when a student prays I just want you to know it can be five words and I'm about to fall out in the spirit like I'm like praise God amen I'm just kidding but really I love hearing a student pray you know why? It's building upon it. They're learning. They're growing. Habits and disciplines are being put in them from such a young age to growing up. One last thing I want to hit on in that is serving. There's a percentage that says, I don't know the exact percentage, so don't quote me on it. There's a percentage that says after they leave high school, it's a high percentage, they'll stay connected if they started serving at a younger age because they they. Feel important, they feel wanted, they feel needed, right? But you're also empowering them. I think sometimes because they're younger, we're like, oh, they can't do that. Listen, I've been led in worship (laughs) better by a 13-year-old than I have an older kid at some time. Like, they are. If you equip, educate, and empower them to lead, I'm telling you, they can do it. So leadership development is a huge thing, but also serving, teaching them to serve, teaching them the importance of serving, the body of Christ. I'll give you the why for Promotion Sunday and the reason why we do it. Number one, we do it because we want to be in the moment with you. We want to celebrate wins with you and your family and these students because they've worked hard to get to that next grade. But the second thing is because we believe that they have to step into the next season for growth to take place. So once they leave elementary school, they're going to go into middle school, sixth grade, which is a whole different environment, and we kind of track them and and help them grow on this journey. And here's why it's important. I said this a little bit earlier during promotion. A 12-year-old can't feed on milk alone, but you also can't give a baby a steak. It ain't going to work on their level. They have to learn that way. They have to learn how to start feeding themselves. Therefore, they start, we start teaching them how to pray. So therefore, they're like, hey, I want to pray. So then they start praying, and then they, they can quote a scripture. And then, I mean, we do it in a fun, exciting way, like give you a $5 gift card if you can quote the scripture. You know what I'm saying? Like, But it's instilling habits and disciplines, a foundation for your kid, because what we want, we know they're going to graduate junior kids, they're going to graduate kids, they're going to graduate high school they're going to graduate college, we never want them to graduate church. Never anything I want them to graduate. I want them to love being in church. I want them to love serving in church. I want them to love worshiping and love God's word. Anybody else in here want a generation and wants to fight for a generation that falls in love with Jesus? So my last point, number four. Is participate. We have to participate in the growth of the next generation. How do we do that? We have to be an example. Right? They're watching us. Everything we do, every step we take. If you read 2 Timothy 3.14, it says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from who you learned it. I can name off people in my life. If you don't know my story fully, go back in February and watch it because it's dysfunctional, all right? However, there's key people in my life that I can name off that were mentors that showed me what to do here. And I believe that God put those people around me in order for me to do what he's called me to do. How can we be that example? How can we be those key people in someone's life to help them get to where God wants them to be and live a full life in Christ? Be, be available. Just be available. Don't hush them off or hush them down and chew them off and don't, uh, don't just close down completely. Be available to help mentor, to help pray with them, to help love on them. And then C, we have to be positive about them. We have to speak life over them. I'm so sick of hearing about how terrible this generation is. I'm sick of it. We can sit by the sidelines or we can jump in and help. I'm sick of it. We've got to speak life over them. Have they made some decisions? Absolutely. Haven't we? We've just learned from them. (laughs) We learn a little quicker. We have to. We have to speak life over them we have to fight for this generation together. And I believe by partnering with parents, grandparents, and mentors and being strategic with the way that we do ministry, I believe we can do that. Anybody in this room feel like they can fight for this generation? Come on. I mean, I mean for real. Like I think that a first step would be for you to come and join us next Sunday night in prayer. Let me tell you, I I have also um, strategically planned our student ministry. They will not be meeting at 30 next week. Uh, parents, you should have gotten an email about that, just an FYI. They'll be meeting at 7 o'clock in here with everybody. It's time for us to pray for them. Our elementary kids will be in here as well. Our junior kids will be getting a lesson uh, back there in junior kids. But I just want to let you know how strategic, how important it is To be able to pray for this generation, to be able to mentor this generation, to parent them, we want you to parent with purpose. Have those strategic conversations. Have those hard conversations. I know there's a lot of things that we don't want to touch because we're like, oh, I don't feel equipped to do it. And then I don't want to, like, blur any lines or anything. You know what? The best way to do that, the best way, is, is through the Word of God. We have to stand firm on what the word says. When confusion comes in, which is from the enemy, amen, confusion is from the enemy, we have to pray for God to send clarity for them. All the blurred lines that you're uncomfortable about, all the, all the, the pronouns and genders and all this kind of stuff that you're uncomfortable about, we have to stand firm on what the word of God says, amen? If not, the world is going to take this generation I don't know about you, but I'm willing to fight for them. So what is our response? Amber, you've given us all this information. You've told us what we could do. Well, if you took notes, you know what to do, okay? First thing, I already said it. We've got to pray for him. We've got to. We've got to commit ourselves to praying for them. Hey, I want to ask you to take five minutes a day and pray for this generation. Five minutes. It doesn't take long. Five minutes. You can literally say, I'm praying over Gen Z or Gen Alpha. I'm praying over kids from age this to this. I'm praying over the next generation. Just be consistent and be specific. Second thing that you can do as your response is you can step up and mentor them. We have people and we have students and kids and different people who need mentoring they need a little help. I remember growing up and having people alongside of me and mentoring me whenever I wanted to make the bad decision and the wrong decision. We have people, we have students who don't come from a household that's like perfect like y'all's households, you know what I'm saying? Um, Not perfect, I'm joking. We do have students that come from a household that their parents don't even come to church. I have so many students that get dropped off. I have people who ask me, and I'm all I'll, I'll, I'll talk to y'all about this right now. I have people who ask me, y'all talk about students and and how many you got on a Sunday night, blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. Where are they at on Sunday morning? Well, let me answer that for you. Some of them are serving, which is amazing. They serve our next generation. Amen to that. But also, we have families who come, drop their kid off at 430, they come back at 7 o'clock and pick them up. That's what they do. We have some families who are here that currently aren't here today. I can specifically speak for one that... They were just looking for a church because they went to an older church. They wanted something that their kid could get connected to. They have one kid. And she came in, and the first conversation I ever had with her, she said, Am, I'm just not religious. I said, Good, me neither. I just want you to know I ain't religious. I said, Okay, girl, got it. You know, and when we were in small group, I just want you to know, Okay, that's okay, that's all right. But we built a relationship. Did you know that she is one of the people who is one of our small group leaders in our kids' church right now? And her parents come to this church, and they are members of this church because we invested into her. We built that relationship with her. She also has a little bit of a learning disability, and she still teaches small group. Is that not amazing? Is that not the most amazing thing to me? I think of up here, Elijah. Adriana, we have a few others. You guys have seen them up here worshiping and ministering to you, right? These kids are leading. They just need someone to pour into them. They need someone to to, to pray with them. They need someone to, to prioritize and to prepare them and to help them every step as they start playing. What's the third thing we can do? We can serve the next generation. Not going to put a big plug in here because I know people hate people that say, oh, they're just asking us to sign up to serve. That's not me at all. I want you to know we have different areas here in this church where you can sign up to serve and invest into the next generation. Whatever age group, whatever that looks like on your time level, on your commitment level. Fourth thing is we can parent with purpose. Every step. Every conversation. I have a parent meeting for my upcoming sixth graders right after second service. And one of the resources that I'm giving is 52 conversations, starters to have with your upcoming sixth graders. I think it's important to have a conversation over dinner. I think it's important to start up a conversation. I think it's important to sit there and ask them, How are you? In that survey, one of the things they said was, I just want them to ask me how I'm doing. I know they're busy. I know my dad, I don't see him, but only a couple of times a week because he's he's paying for everything, I get it. But I want him to ask me how I'm doing. The fifth thing is you can commit yourself to the health of this generation. Thank you for joining us for this week's service. We pray that God has used this moment to greatly impact your life. We invite you to live fully alive in Christ with us here at Full Life Church. We'll see you next week.